Well, I want to say a Merry Christmas to all of you who are watching uh, here online and those who are in the room, packed house. Thank you for being here and thanks for uh, letting us have that time to show you what a changed life is all about. And so uh, I want to begin by telling you, we, I started a tradition, or actually restarted a tradition, and we call it the Merritt Family Tradition. Actually, for many, many years, we always went down to the Alliance Theater and saw a Christmas carol. And we, you know, for a number of reasons, uh, COVID and then even before that, we just kind of discontinued that. So this year, for my, I had a birthday recently, so this year I told my Teresa, I said, you know what I want to do for my birthday? Let's take the family and let's go down and see A Christmas Carol. Now, how many of you either have seen a movie about it or seen the play A Christmas Carol? How many of you have seen that? Okay, most of us have. Most of you, like me, you've seen it many times. This is what's amazing. So we go and we sit down and the play starts and Teresa will tell you, I'm just, I'm into it from the, from the first word. I've seen it so many times, I know some of the parts, I know the dialogue, I know what's coming. And yet, here I am, I've seen it so many times and it gets to the end and tiny Tim, God bless us everyone, and I'm about tears coming down my eyes and I've seen it over and over and over and there are just some stories that just never get old. It doesn't matter how many times you hear them. You, you, you know the beginning, you know the ending, you know everything in between, and yet every time you hear it, it's almost like you're hearing it for the first time every time you listen to it. And I really believe that's why the Christmas story is so magical. It, it, there, there's something about it. It's why every single year you're going to see this story portrayed in movies, acted out in schools, heard in music, read in church, and it's one of those stories that when you hear it, you don't just hope it's true. You don't just want it to be true. But when you actually come to believe in your heart, it really is true. It changes your life forever. And you never get tired of hearing it. And so on this Christmas Eve, we're just going to read the Christmas story again. And I'm going to remind you why the story never loses its luster, always sparkles like glitter, and is music to your ears because of who was behind the story, who is the true star of the story, and what the story says to us today. It's going to be super, super brief, very quick. So tonight, here's what I want you to do, just for a moment. Let's look beyond the trees and the tinsels. Let's look beyond the partying and the presents. Let's look beyond the gaiety and the gifts. Let's look beyond the singing and Santa. And I want us to ask ourselves one more time, what is it that makes this story so enduring. What is it about this story that makes it so engaging? What is it about this story that makes it so exciting? Now, I just want to say three quick things about this Christmas story. You've read it many times, but let me tell you what I see in the Christmas story. Number one, in the Christmas story, we see a sovereign God. Now, if you brought a copy of God's Word, I'm in the Gospel of Luke, Matthew, Mark, Luke. There's three Gospels. I'm in Luke chapter 2. You, you probably, most of you probably almost could recite this by heart, but we'll read it. We're going to begin in verse 1. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. <clears throat> this was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register now, I don't have the time to go into the historical background of all that we read just in that one, those two couple of three verses, but just suffice to say, Caesar Augustus was the nephew of Julius Caesar, and he had become the ruler of the Roman Empire. 
And this was back in the day when everything was going great in the empire. I mean, Roman conquered all of their enemies. There was a universal peace across the land. It, it, the economy was booming. Everybody was, prosper, was prospering. Peace reigned throughout the land. You could travel back and forth. You didn't have to worry about crime. It was just a great time to be alive in the Roman Empire. And yet, for seemingly no reason, Caesar Augustus, it's almost like he's bored. And he says, you know what? Why don't I issue a decree that everybody has to be registered? Why don't I have a census of the entire Roman Empire? Now, one thing you have to understand back in that day, when you were told to do something about the emperor, you did it or died. It was on, there wasn't really a lot of choice. It wasn't up for debate or discussion. So the moment the decree is issued, everybody's got to pack their bags. Everybody's got to go to where they were registered. Now, what that means is this. You had to go not where you necessarily lived, not even necessarily where you might have been born. You had to go all the way back wherever it was that you could trace your whole ancestral history. Well, for Joseph, that was Bethlehem. And that's very important because we continue to read the story. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth, that's where he lived in Galilee, Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because, this is important, he belonged to the house and line of David. He was of the lineage of David. David was his ancestor, and that's where David came from, Bethlehem. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him, and she was expecting a child. So Joseph has to go to Bethlehem, even though he lived in Nazareth. Why did he have to go to Bethlehem? Well, you may think, well, I mean, it's because he was born in Bethlehem. That's not why he went there. You might even think, well, you just told me the real reason you had to go there is because that's where his family came from. That's not even the real reason. The real reason why Joseph had to go to Bethlehem is because that baby had to be born in Bethlehem. That baby could not be born in Jerusalem. That baby could not be born in Nazareth. That baby could not be born in Galilee. That baby could not be born in any other square inch of Israel. The baby had to be born in Bethlehem. You say, well, why did the baby have to be born in Bethlehem? Because God had promised through a prophet 750 years before Jesus was even born, this is where the Messiah is going to be born, in this little town of Bethlehem. That's where Jesus is going to be born, the Savior of the world, the Jewish Messiah, the Lord of the universe. You say, what's the point? Here's the point. This was not just a stroke of luck. It was not a coincidence. It wasn't even an accident. It wasn't fate. They called Caesar Augustus to all of a sudden one day say, you know, I think we need a census. Why now? Why at that time? Because Mary was about to have a baby. And so he says, we've got to have a census. Everybody's got to go to their own hometown. Here's what I love about this story. Caesar Augustus was an errand boy of the God he didn't even believe in. It's so funny. You know, sometimes we all get this idea sometimes. We're in control of our lives. I got a newsflash. There's not one of us in this room in control of our life. God's in control of every part of our life, every single aspect of our life. And he's an errand boy doing what God wanted him to do. You see, he thought he was the ruler of the Roman Empire. I wish I could have talked to him back in that day. I'd have said, uh, sire, with all respect, you're not the emperor of the Roman Empire. As a matter of fact, not only is God the emperor of the Roman Empire, God is the ruler of the entire universe. You don't rule anything. He really overrules you. 
And so the Christmas story reminds me, first of all, of something I hope is music to your ears, and that is with all the chaos that's going on in our world, I mean from, from COVID to, you know, cultural upheaval to racial tensions to economic uncertainty to inflation to everything that's going on, I take solace when I read the Christmas story and I'm reminded there's a God that's in charge of everything. There's a God that's not taken by surprise of anything. There's a God that's putting a puzzle together called life, and God makes sure every piece fits perfectly. That's why there's no such thing as accidents. There's only appointments, because there is a sovereign God in the universe that says, you know what? I know how everything's going to end, and it's going to end exactly the way I want it to end. And by the way, when it does end, if you love me and trust me and know me and believe in me, it's all going to end for your good and for my glory. So we don't have to worry about what plan is in place for this world because his plan is in place. Let me just remind you of just one thing. We're going to move on. The same God that engineered everything down to the T so that baby would be born in Bethlehem, that God did not retire. He didn't turn in his keys. He didn't clean out his office. He didn't get the gold watch for retirement. He is not out of a job. He is still ruling today. So when I, when I read, yeah, give the Lord a hand. So... When I read the Christmas story, when I read the Christmas story, it reminds me, I don't have to worry, don't have to fear, don't have to fret. There's a sovereign God in control of the universe. In the Christmas story, we see a sovereign God. Number two, in the Christmas story, we see a saving God. We see a saving God. Now, this young couple arrives in Bethlehem. There's no room for them in the end. You know the whole story. They find the place. The baby's born. Just, and it seems like when you're reading the story, just another ordinary, run-of-the-mill Jewish baby. No big deal. As a matter of fact, that's the way Luke really kind of records it, like it's not a big deal. So we read in verse 6, while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths, placed him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. There, listen, even the... Holiday Inn Express was slammed. But the story continues. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. They were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Listen very carefully. Everything hinges on what I'm about to tell you. This was no ordinary baby. This was a super ordinary baby. This was no natural baby. This was a supernatural baby. This was not just a human baby. This was a divinely human baby. This was a baby that was unlike any other baby ever born before and unlike any other baby that will ever be born since. Because even though, this was, even though it was Mary's baby, it was God's baby. And it was the world's baby. Oh yeah, he was the son of Mary and Joseph, that's for sure, but he was also the Savior of the world. He was the Jewish Messiah the nation had been waiting on for hundreds of years. He was the Savior that every person on this planet has needed and does need and will need ever since two people sinned in the Garden of Eden. And that baby is, was, and always will be the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the Savior of the world, the ruler of the universe. He was unlike any other baby we've ever seen. And here's the good news. 
He said, this good news is for everybody. If you're a Jew, this good news is for you. If you're a Gentile, this good news is for you. If you're Caucasian, good news is for you. If you're African-American, it is for you. If you were born in America, it's for you. If you were born in Egypt, it's for you. He said, this good news is for all people. You know why? Because he's the only one that can save us from our sins. He is the only one that can bring peace to our hearts. He is the only one that can bring joy to the world. He is the only one that can connect us to the God who created us. See, in this story, we see a saving God. That's why I love the story. Because I see a sovereign God who's in control of everything. And no matter what happens to me, God will take it and work it and make it so it applies to me for my good and for his glory. And then I see a saving God. I see a God who came to this earth for one reason. So a sinful, unworthy, undeserving, carnal, selfish person like James Merritt could have a connection with the God that made me. So in the Christmas story, I see a sovereign God. In the Christmas story, we see a saving God. Unfortunately, that's where most pastors and preachers will end the Christmas Eve service, but there's more to the story. Because I don't want to leave us out of the story. Yeah, there's a sovereign God behind the story, and there's a saving God who's the hero of the story, but what's this last thing? In the Christmas story, we also see a sending God, a sending God. We love the story. Many of you tonight, before your kids go to bed, you'll read it. Or tomorrow, when my grandkids come to my house, we'll read the Christmas story. We do it every Christmas. Before we open any gifts, I put them through the torture of reading the Christmas story, okay? We always do that. They know it's coming. But let me tell you why we do that. This story was not meant to be written in a book, closed, put on a shelf, and never heard from again. This story is one that once you believe it, and many of us do, we are to share it. We're to tell it. And we're sent to the world to let them know, hey, the Christmas story is for everybody. And if you think I'm kind of making this up, listen to what the shepherds do once they've seen this baby in this cradle. Because this is that part of the story that most of us don't even think about. We just kind of run over, you know, it's like a speed bump. But don't miss this. So they hurried off and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they went to the mall to finish their Christmas shopping. Nope. When they had seen him, they drank their eggnog and they ate their soup. Nope. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. I love the way that's put. When they saw him, they spread the word about him. Watch this. Nobody told those shepherds to do that. Nobody made those shepherds do that. Nobody paid those shepherds to do that. Nobody ordered them to do that. You say, well, then why did they do it? They wanted to do it. They couldn't help but do it. They said, we cannot keep this to ourselves. We cannot keep this good news. Because see, here's what happens. Too often, we'll come to a Christmas Eve service. And I'm not saying this to fuss. I'm just being honest. We'll pack it out on Christmas Eve, and thank you for coming. I'm so glad you came. 
But we pack it out on Christmas Eve, and we kind of get our feel-good Christmas jolt, you know, and we're, now we're going to go home, and what are you gonna, whatever your Christmas Eve tradition is, you're going to go back and you're going to do that. And, and you know, we're, we're feeling good. We're excited about the morning. We're anticipating what our kids and grandkids are going to enjoy. And then we just kind of go our merry way and forget the story. And we kind of have this feeling like, okay, it's over. Wait till next year. So listen carefully, and I'm done. These shepherds did not leave that baby in the cradle, and neither should we. The disciples did not leave Jesus on a cross, and neither should we. Jesus was buried in a crypt, but we should not leave Jesus in that crypt. They didn't, and neither should we, because here's the grand story. Here's the great conclusion to the story. That baby was like us in every way except one way. He was born like we were born. He lived like we live. And he died like one day we're going to die. But that baby came back from the grave. And that baby is alive and well. And that baby that had human blood flowing through his veins and still has scars in his hands, that baby right now is sitting on the throne of this universe. And so Christianity, if it's true, if Christianity is true, if the Christmas story is true, it doesn't end on the 25th of December. Christmas Day is every day. Every day. There's joy we can bring to the world every day. There's good news we are sent to spread to this world every day. And that's why the Christmas story is so wonderful. Because not only does the story never get old, the story should always be told. So I want to close with this. And I want to kind of get just kind of personal just for a minute. Because I'm living something that you don't know about and don't need to know about. But God has taught me. I used to wonder, why is it, you know, for some people, Christmas is just, it's not easy, it's hard. And why is it some people are just kind of dreading the holiday and they're glad it's over when it's over? And for what it's worth, I know what you feel now. I get it. I understand. There's some of you that walked into this church today and it was all you could do to make yourself get here. Because for some of you, this is your first Christmas without a loved one. For some of you, you walked in here and you're still estranged from a family member. For some of you, you came in here and you just got diagnosed with a debilitating disease. Christmas is hard for you. I want you to know and this is not a cliche, I, I feel your pain. I just want to leave you with this. I can't promise you that you'll always understand why you're going through what you're going through or why you've gone through what you're going through. I wish I could, I can't. But I will tell you this, there's one thing that was settled a long time ago. This God that sent that baby at Christmas, this God that sent that baby to live among us, and this God that sent that baby to die for us, there is nobody in the world that loves you like that God loves you. Nobody. He loves you. He weeps when you weep. He hurts when you hurt. And the thing I just want to ask you to do, and then we're going to pray. If you're one of those people right now and you're fighting back tears because you didn't know this is where I was going, and I didn't either. It's not even in my notes. But if you're one of those people and you, you, you know, and, and you say, boy, you, 
You've hit me. It's not from me. I cannot give you an explanation, but I can give you a promise that God so loved you, he sent his son at Christmas to give you the greatest gift of all, eternal life. The peace of knowing you're right with God. The joy of knowing there's still always a purpose in life for you and for me. And my Christmas prayer this year is not anybody, none of you, do not let the devil take what God can use for your good and use it for your evil. You don't, I beg you, do not walk out of here without that baby being born in your heart. Would you pray for, with me right now just for a moment? I'm going to be super brief and we're going to have a last closing song and we'll be done. I wonder how many of you here today would just be honest enough to say, you know, Pastor, thank you for for sharing that because you just spoke to me. That's me. I wonder how many of you had a tough year. It's just been hard. It's been tough. And what you didn't realize was what has happened to you wouldn't happen really for your bad. The devil wants to use it that way. Satan will do anything he can to keep you from coming to Jesus. Listen, he will do anything he can to keep you from coming to Jesus. But that whole time that he's telling you on this shoulder, oh, he doesn't care about you. If God cared about you, you wouldn't be going through what you're going through. If God cared about you, he, he, he wouldn't let this happen to you. If God cared about all that time, there's this Christmas story that says, no, this God loves me. He sent that baby for me. So that baby could give me the greatest gift of all, a relationship with him. And so if today you would like to receive the greatest Christmas gift you will ever receive, and that is forgiveness of your sins, eternal life, and an eternal relationship with Christ. Would you just do this right now? Would you just say something like this? Lord Jesus, I am not going to go another Christmas without you being born in my heart. I am not going to let Satan get the last word in my life. Lord, I'm being honest. I don't know why I've gone through what I've gone through. I don't know why I've hurt like I've hurt. But by faith, I believe you love me. And by faith, I believe Jesus died for my sins. And by faith, I believe Jesus is alive right now. And so, Lord Jesus, I'm asking you to save me. I'm asking you to forgive me. And I'm asking you to give me the strength to get through the hurt that I'm in right now, even at this Christmas season. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for hearing my prayer. Thank you for coming into my life today. Now, just very quickly, two questions. If you prayed that prayer with me, you little boys, little girls, grown men, grown women, if you prayed that prayer and you, you gave your life to Christ, you trusted in Jesus, would you just real quickly just raise your hand real high, real quick, just hold it. Yeah, I see them. All over, I see them everywhere. Hold your hands up. Yeah, I see, I see. Yep, I see. I thank you. Wave those hands. That's right. Thank you. Let me just tell you this. If you meant business just then, Jesus kept his word. He saved you. If you live anywhere around here, I'd like to ask you to do this. If you raised your hand just then, when, you, when this service is over, there's a table out in our lobby called Connection Point. Would you just go to that table? You don't have to do it. Shepherds didn't, they didn't make the shepherds do it. I'm not going to make you do it, but you'll want to do this. Would you just go to that table out there and just say, hey, I want you to know, I, I prayed to receive Christ today. I gave my life to Jesus today. That's all you need to say. Let me tell you what they'll do. They're going to give you some information. 
that will help you begin to take your next steps with God. That's it. We'll take two minutes and you'll be on the way out the door. So if you pray, if you raise your hand and pray to receive Christ, just do me that. Just do yourself that one favor. Go to that table and just let them know you made that decision. Now, this is even bigger. You're one of those people right now and you'd say, boy, this is me. I, I, I dreaded Christmas so bad this year. This has been the hardest Christmas I've ever gone through in my life. I'm hurting. I'm really hurting. I, I really want to pray for you. I really want our church to pray for you. So if you wouldn't mind just, just admitting it, would you just hold your hands up right now if that's you? Just hold your hands up. Just keep them up. Let, please let me, do, let me have the privilege of praying because I'm one of you. I'm, I'm hurting in my life too. Just hold your hands up right now just for a moment. Now, would you just join me in prayer for these that are holding up their hands? Lord Jesus, we, we are to hurt with those who hurt and weep with those who weep. And I don't know why these hands went up, but Father, I pray that in this service, they found encouragement and they found peace and they found joy. And I pray they were reminded once again, no matter how deep and how dark our circumstances might be, there is a God that loves us. There is a God that cares about us. And there is a God that wants what's best for us, even when we don't understand it. Thank you, Lord, for hearing our prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, we have